1: The story thus far has been the lack of justice uh, from the Capitol six to uh, the January six protests uh, in Washington, D.C. The story has been one we've talked about for some time with you about the solitary confinement for some folks, uh, for some prisoners, uh, people have not been sentenced properly uh there's been a lot of games being played and i think on the other side of that part of that message was that well they were building their case or they were collecting the data or looking for the evidence or whatever the hey it was they were building something but it was very odd because that's really not the form of justice we have in america where we put you in a prison or hold you up without being charged accordingly without giving you your rights your 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 due process Without allowing you to bail, without allowing you, and then putting you in a solitary confinement is uh, pretty remarkable. And many people uh, suffered that from the January 6th incident. Now, now, let's be clear of something up front here, okay? The protest on January 6th, this could have been anybody. This, this could have been you, could have been I, people we know, people we love, anybody that felt that this really was American democracy. This was what this was all about. This was, this was taken, our protests to the streets. This is what we fought and died for in this country. And that is really, to me, symbolic of what January 6th was all about. Now, I, I think this rattled a lot of cages for a lot of reasons. Um, and there's a lot of political reasons, people, why this has rattled cages. But historically, when you look at our history as a country, i got to tell you, people, I don't see where January 6th was the most egregious affair or event or protest we've ever had in our nation. I don't see it. But yet, if you listen to those people who are trying to lock everybody up who was in um, so many feet of the Capitol or were part of this outrage of Americans who were letting their voice be heard, uh, you see a whole nother story here. Hmm. Today is a, um, Uh, Yeah, it's a special program, but it's, uh, to me, it's an important one. It's very sensitive because we're really talking about American injustice. I mean, we'd say American justice, but, you know, people, this, you you know, you heard me talk in past times about uh, Lady Justice, blind justice. And I think we all pretty well understand and know at this point that Lady Justice is not blind. She's not, we wish she was. This is the one time we, we really do wish somebody was blind. And we wish Lady Justice was blind. We wish she'd put the blindfold back on, but she's not blind. And this has been building for many years and many moments, people. The fact that justice has political stripes to it. It depends who's after you and why. It depends who who you pissed off and and how much they want to get you. That's what American justice is all about today. It really is. And it goes in so many circles. It's incredible. You know, a lot of people uh, sit back in their homes, in their lives, in their businesses, and really believe, and this is a problem, it's a cancer for a lot of people that think, well, this doesn't really impact me. This this has nothing really to do with me. And, well, they shouldn't have been up there protesting to begin with. But then the people who say that don't have any idea or understanding of what uh, this American republic is all about. And the people who, who died for this republic, for this freedom... Don't understand it at all. But you know, that old saying from 1946 is so true. And you need to take this in your heart. First, they came for the communist, and I did not speak out because I was not a communist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I didn't speak out because, well, I wasn't a trade unionist. And they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for me and there was no one left to speak out for me. Well, that that is just so symbolic for what's happening today. So many people, so many Americans turn the other way and just ignore these sort of injustices and think that it's, doesn't, it's not gonna impact them. It doesn't change their life at all. But my fellow Americans, when you see what's happened with our justice in our country, our great republic, over many years now that and it has been building with the Department of Justice and the FBI and the CIA and the NSA and you see what's taking place in our great country and you, you have to be concerned because there's nothing blind about this justice. It has a point, it has a measure, it has a rule, it has a, it has a, it, it, it has a roadmap for a conclusion that it already knows that it wants. And it goes after that justice. And I, for one, I am so unsettled with this and this form of justice. And I'll tell you this, it's going to be our undoing. It is absolutely going to be because everything has a political stripe to it. And it depends upon who the political operatives are in Washington and what they're looking for and how they get to the end goal, which is what they've been doing since this event. This is what's been happening since the event on January 6th. They've been trying to build that case, figure it out, and put on as many charges as they can to hang as many people as they can, just for the sport of it. Are they concerned that they're gonna destroy lives? I don't think so. They have a narrative that is far more important than that. And that narrative is what they push for. This should be of the greatest concern to every single American. Doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican, independent, doesn't matter. What's happening right now is it is one of the worst crimes in our nation's history. And this point of January 6th is going to be taken up again and again and again. It's going to be a moment in our nation. I'm telling you, these historical moments we've been living through, that January 6th is a telltale sign for what's happened what's to, and what's to come, what's yet to come. So I recommend you don't turn the other way. And you pay attention and you help fix this uh, travesty of injustice. And hopefully Americans will stand tall and force Lady Liberty to put that blindfold, Lady Justice, to put that blindfold back on again. This is the one time we want to force the hand here. You see, that's it. One of the, uh, the very first one in America that has uh, been charged now and sentenced to prison time is a name, if you haven't heard it, you surely will be in the future here. But it's Paul Hodgkins, it's a 38-year-old patriot, a man who uh, uh, was uh, proud of the progress that was being made, supported Trump. He was up there at the Capitol, wore a Trump t-shirt, carried the Trump flag, uh, wasn't armed, had no weapons or anything. In fact, there were no weapons found up there. It wasn't like this was the insurrection. They thought, how the hell do you have an insurrection when what do they got? They don't have anything. <laughs> it's not possible. You know, had they bought all kinds of weapons and grenades and tanks. OK, well, then now uh, we got an insurrection. We can talk and get the judge out and, you know, whatever. But that's not the case, people. Didn't, you know, that's, that's, that's been proven. And there's a, there's a story here of what happened and what he did and, and the judge and the politics and how it all played out. And the more you dive into this, the more you just see what's taken place. He, he is clearly being used as they all will be used as just models to get to the end result of what these political operatives are looking for. I want to talk today to Paul Hodgkins and let's peel this a little bit. And uh, Paul, welcome to the Voice of a Nation. And thank you for being here, brother.
2: Ah, uh, Thank you very much for having me, Malcolm.
1: Let me ask you this difficult question to start off with. I, I, You know, a lot of times, Paul, I like to start with something you might ask at the end of a real serious talk. And I like to ask it at the beginning. And it's this. We haven't told listeners yet what you've really been through and what you're still going through and what you're yet going to go through. And we'll do that in today's program. But. If you could have changed all of this right now, if you could have changed what had taken place on the 6th, your place, your position, you being there, and traded off for what you're now going to go through, would you change any of this at this point? And what would it be?
2: Well, I can say right up front that uh, by no means do I ever regret that I have supported President Trump and stood up for him. But something I have to say that I do regret is that for the first time in my life, I did break a law uh, in doing so. Now, by doing that, like you had explained, uh, I hadn't committed any act of violence or recklessness. Really, I had no preconceived notion at all that I would ever go to the Capitol building that day. But the fact is, I did commit trespassing, uh, something that I should not have done. It was my thinking at the time that Okay, I was very passionate about the cause I'm there for. I really wish that my Congress would conduct an audit of the 2020 election so that way this country can have closure in the matter and we can move forward. So, my whole reasoning was that I wanted to go to Cong- uh in the Capitol building to hopefully, uh, respectfully confront some senators asking, Can you please run an audit in some of these states? Mm-hmm. But my thinking was that. I know I'm trespassing and I'm taking a big risk right here, but as long as I remain calm and don't do anything destructive, which I never would, that hopefully whatever charge I would face would be fairly minor and misdemeanor. Obviously, I was really mistaken in making that assumption.
1: Well, they did put a lot of misdemeanor charges on you, but then they put also some other charges, which is really what got you. The trespassing point you make there about, so at at what point, now let's think about that day, January 6th, you're caught up into the emotion. You've got all kinds of people there. And we've reported on this story, Paul, many times. We've reported of the patriots, the peaceful protest part, the president calling for peaceful and patriotic protests. And then we've also reported on firsthand accounts of Uh, well, Antifa-type folks, terrorist-type folks, others, uh, agitators, I would call them, involved in this. What did you see, or did you not? uh, Because I I don't know the answers, but what did you see as far as that goes with other sort of influences into the crowd? Did you see anything like that?
2: Well, I mean, going going there as I did that day, it would be Pretty difficult for me to be able to depict if somebody was disguise, an Antifa disguised as anything else. Uh, really wasn't my focus. My focus there was to try to, like I said, try to encourage Congress to, I wanted to ask the, ask them please, in a civil manner, please conduct an audit. Um, I did see some behavior uh, once I was inside the Capitol building that I really don't care for, uh, something I know myself and just about any true Trump supporter that I've gotten to know is that we have the utmost respect for the men and women of law enforcement. Uh, We back the blue and we say it all the time. Amen. So to see some of what happened that day, you know, coming down to physical conflict uh, between whether they were Trump supporters or anybody who was infiltrating or not, just going at odds and physically fighting with police officers really, really did not give me a good feeling. Um, I really can't confirm, uh, as far as the identity of if somebody was a Trump supporter or if they were an Antifa or not, uh, I don't personally know anybody, uh, anybody else who even went inside the Capitol building that day. Okay.
1: All right. Uh, Paul, I love your descriptive there, by the way, I love the way you put that and the way you just described it, actually, with a real patriot and a real Trump supporter, which is a patriot, and the fact of what they would have wouldn't do in the support of the blue, that's perfectly said. And also your honesty in questioning those who were sort of um, pushing the boundaries of what you didn't like, which shows that I think it's terrific because to me, it shows you're a very honorable man and really trying to do the right thing to get these folks to, to be heard or to get the process to be heard. You know, Paul, in an odd sort of way, of course, as you know, that day, all the hearings were called off, everything fell apart. And then after we licked our wounds and the media had their field day of the 6th, afterward, uh, it, it, they just resumed and the hearing was never heard. The evidence was never discussed and nothing happened. So in a really strange sort of way, that day actually ended up disrupting the process to the point of and we don't really know what might or might not have come possibly nothing but do you get a sense of what i'm saying there do you think that was more i mean that kind of stopped the whole uh, it, what was it, trying to be done that day correct
2: it does i wish i really wish the protest that we had that day had gone differently than it had um when, when Congress was in session that day in the Senate, uh, Senator Ted Cruz, along with many of his, uh, I think at least 12 of his Republican colleagues, were uh, going to bat that day, you know, asking for an election to be, uh, excuse me, asking for an audit to be conducted, particularly starting with the state of Arizona. That's right. And I feel it, our protest, it became more of a disruption to that. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, the protests we had on Capitol Hill, I wish had not gone inside of the building. I think we did. I, I know I'm going to be fess up and, you know, accept responsibility that I did overstep my boundaries in doing that. All uh, right. okay. I wish that the, I wish that the protests had just it was so massive and so strong. that If it had just stayed outside, I think that would have been a very good encouragement mm-hmm. uh, for more people, more senators to get on board with what Senator Ted Cruz was asking for right then. Yeah. um so again uh like you said though that if what the what did transpire on january 6th at the capitol building if anything it 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 didn't help the cause that we were there that i believe most of us were there for if anything it hindered it and if not destroyed it
1: all right well i'm listen i'm glad we got that out a moment off to the side but let me say this to you, Paul, and, and I respect your honesty there as well. But we really don't know what will yet become of this because, let me say that this January sixth was a symbol- symbolic moment in our nation's history, and the story has not totally been written yet. Just keep that in mind, okay? All right, All right.
2: That that is true. That is yeah.
1: true. It hasn't been written yet. So let's not uh, let's let's. I mean, you know, hindsight is interesting. I get it. But we really don't know where the path is headed. We're in some very unusual times in this country is all I'm suggesting. And we will see, you know, and a lot of times things in life like this are purposeful or they have a purpose to a mission that is yet to unfold. And I don't know, I have a sense that something is happening here in our country for sure. Now I want to say uh, to you on, uh, that day, the trespassing point, you know, it's another big point I need to get your thoughts on Paul. And, and I've talked about this with listeners and I, I find it, um, uh, really, um, a thoughtful moment growing up myself. And through all the years as a young guy, I, I've always understood the Capitol to be the people's house. Have you ever heard that expression as well? The people's house. Yes, I I've heard I've heard that before. We've all heard that, right? As Americans, it's the people's house. In other words, it's we own the house. It's we the people. See, the government here in America, what's different about America, people don't really grasp, a lot of people don't grasp is it is we the people. We the people are, are the masters of this thing. They they work for us. It's different than other countries. You you see where I'm at, right? You know? Yes, I do. And the people's house is the people's house. So what I've tried to get my arms around, and I know this is surely an arguable point and a legal point for sure. But when you talk about trespassing, you know, how is it if it is the people's house that we are trespassing? Now, were there signs up all over the place that you were trespassing, don't enter, that sort of thing? Was that all over the place? Did you see any of that? I'm curious.
2: I can't say that uh, I saw that inside the Capitol building. No, Uh, they did have outside... uh, Around the Capitol building, around the lawn on the hill there, there were some uh, guardrails that had been put in place. But by the time I had reached there, they had been moved aside, pushed over, and there
1: was no sign or police tape uh, that I that you would have known. So what I'm wondering is, even from your your attorney, which we'll drive more, get into more of him in a minute in the case but I wonder why that wouldn't have been an arguable point if there were no signs that specifically said, you know, exactly what I just said, that you do not trespass this Capitol building. And if we, uh, and I just, I just wonder that if this is a point of contention that we've all grown up knowing this is the people's house, so listen, we go up there to protest innocently enough. I don't have any kind of a record. I have no weapons. I'm here to protest, get my voices heard. How is that exactly trespassing when I was brought up to really understand this is the people's house and I'm there to do my, you know, to, to uh, air my grievances and to be heard? You, you see where well, I'm at?
2: Yeah, well, from what, um, from what I understand, uh, during uh, most hours uh, during the week, uh, daytime, most of the Capitol building, the hallways, the Rotunda, uh, mm-hmm. those areas actually, from what I understand, are open to the public. People have been able are able to come and take tours inside. That's, uh, right. that's right. A lot to see. It's almost like parts of it, you know, particularly with the rotunda, are almost like a museum. It has artifacts and paintings of things from history that people are welcome to come and see. And um, obviously that day, uh, while Congress is in session they tend to have that close to the public I believe Mm -hmm. now so people but the part where I think I particularly uh, I think it's probably not too arguable that I did trespass is when I set foot inside of the Senate chamber Uh, my attorney had explained to me had you not set foot in that chamber if you would come up to that door Decided not that that's going too far, and you had turned around. You probably would have only been looking at a misdemeanor charge, like you were hoping for. Hmm. He said that he explained to me the difference is, yes, during certain hours, the public is welcome to go throughout uh, parts of the Capitol building, walk through the rotunda and such, mm-hmm. but not the U.S. Senate chamber. He said the U.S. Senate chamber is has a much more higher security clearance. Okay. And pu- the public is not is not ever allowed to go inside of that room
1: well how would we really know that I mean that's not like that's a given
2: right no it isn't I mean if I I'm sure if I had taken a tour of the uh, Capitol building during posted hours when we folks are allowed in there they probably would have made that clear to me then you can't come inside here but yeah yeah uh-huh. uh, but again it's not that you know I can't when I first entered that Senate chamber, at first, I really didn't even realize that I was in the Senate. That room, it appeared much smaller to me than, I, than it appeared on television. And I was wondering if this was some type of committee room when I first went inside. I see. Yeah, yeah.
1: But
2: then, then I recognized, you know, some of the layout, the altar, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where the... the minority leader and vice president speaks at, and I knew where I was.
1: Well, quite frankly, a lot of what you just described there to me would be part of the case that the attorney would present that you really didn't know. In other words, This wasn't some egregious, contentious act. This was innocent enough where you were protesting, weren't even sure what room you were in. Certainly weren't trying to assault anybody or do anything. So let's talk about that day. I want to talk about the moment. In the paperwork uh, from the judge and from the uh, case itself, uh, Paul, let's let's get into that moment a moment. It says here, and correct me on all of this, please, of what is or isn't accurate. It says you entered the U.S. Capitol building at approximately 2.50 p.m., uh, January 6th, at around 3 p.m., Hodgkins entered the Senate chamber, which is what you just spoke about, right? Yes. And it says you walked among the desk and then removed your eye goggles. Is that correct? Uh, yes, so far, that's okay. correct. Okay. You took a self selfie-styled photograph with the cell phone and, and walked down the Senate well, uh, where a few feet away, several individuals were shouting, praying, cheering, using a bullhorn, that sort of thing. And you walk towards the individuals and remain standing with them as they continue to come in to the attention of others. And then just minutes later, at a, approximately 3.15 PM, I mean, we're only talking, uh, 50, uh, well, 15 minutes from three, but really 25 minutes from when you entered there, uh, you exited the Senate chamber and the US Capitol building all together. Now tell me, what that was is that what happened and what that moment was like, please?
2: Well, yes, uh, altogether it was from my first step through the doorway to when I had stepped out of the building. It was somewhere between 20 and 25 minutes altogether and less from what my attorney outlined, uh, just shy of five minutes altogether inside of the Senate. And once I was in there, I think my reason, by the way, I don't even use social media and I didn't at that point either. I had no Twitter or Facebook accounts that I even post anything at. Uh, But my When I went in there, my reason for taking a selfie right then was because I was a big part of me was in disbelief that this was real. Like I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe I'd come that far, and I couldn't believe how easily, how easy it was. Uh, I I didn't have to fight through people in order to get there. I made my way through pretty calmly, and uh, basically, when I saw you know some other folks, they did some shouting trying to say a few things I think they were expressing. Uh, one fella, he had gathered people around at the altar in there for a prayer. Uh, basically, I st- first of all, when I first came in and took those goggles off after the selfie, when folks came around, uh, I remember saying out loud to some of the other folks, guys, please don't wreck anything in here. Because I know folks were very probably excitable and caught up with things. And sure. I think in order to get uh, to deliver you know what i was hoping for which again was asking for an audit of the 2020 election we would be taken more seriously if we remain civil and act like you know civil civilized men trying to ask for some reasoning so i was doing my best to encourage others to just please do that and act civil let's not let's not act like a bunch of wild animals here um one individual he did gather oh which also by the way i did notice another protester inside uh of the Capitol bill uh, in the Senate, well, who was very disoriented and was bleeding from his face. Uh, He appeared to have what I thought was a plastic, a rubber bullet that he had probably been shot at and had lodged in the side of his face. There was a lot of speculation people threw around as to why I put on some white rubber gloves. They thought I was up to no good and trying to handle something and not get fingerprints. But the truth was I was approaching I put on the right white rubber gloves as part of a first aid kit that I always keep with me. Uh, by the way, I'm a first aid personnel from my first aid and CPR personnel in my workplace. And I wanted to give this man some first aid cause I could see he clearly was hurt. And of course I'm going to put on rubber gloves because he's bleeding and we need to keep stay sanitary as can be. Uh, I think it was probably because that fella didn't know who I was, he declined from my help, which is, that's fine. It's up to him. But, Then uh, another individual who has been very notorious from the whole event, uh, wanted to conduct a prayer with everybody who came together with him inside the Senate chamber. And at that point, I basically just stood by, and again, I stayed frozen and uh, just looked around and didn't really react very much because I a big part of me was in disbelief of what was going on right now. And I just stayed calm. It was at that point, just as soon as that man's prayer had uh, finished, a team of police officers had came in the room asking us to clear out and move out. And uh, I didn't want to see any trouble uh, happen in there. So I encouraged others. I said, guys, come on, let's let's get out of here, please. And I even said to a couple of the policemen as I backed away, uh, gently I said to two that were nearby me, I said, look, I'm very sorry for the
1: trouble. And uh, that's when I made my way out. So you apologized for the trouble and then left with all that said, when you left at that moment of the day, did you have any sense in you, Paul, that uh, there would be a price to pay for that that moment, that little 20 minute excursion you had in there, or did it just seem like it go on your way? The America Out Loud family is comprised of patriots in the true sense of the word. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty and the Constitution to help save America for future generations to come. AmericaOutloud.com. It's a fight for the soul of humanity.
3: Each of us is born with 30 trillion cells that make us. These cells determine how we feel, perform, sleep, focus, and how long we live. And to live our best life, all we have to do is feed our cells. But most food and supplements don't reach our cells, keeping us from reaching our full potential. Make every cell count with Healthy Cell. Founded with a mission to empower people to take control of their own health at the most fundamental level, Dr. Vincent Jampapa, world-renowned cell researcher and medical doctor, created supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. And that's HealthyCell.com. H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L and use code loud for 20%
4: off. Now, never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support. That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called ShopToTheRight.com, And it's a new shopping platform that will help you find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran owned businesses, as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together. And we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. ShopToTheRight.com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement and veterans.
0: Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of americaoutloud.com. I even said to a
2: couple of the policemen as I backed away, gently I said to two that were nearby me, I said, look, I'm very sorry for the trouble. And uh, that's when I made my
1: way out. So you apologized for the trouble and then left with all that said, when you left at that moment of the day, did you have any sense in you, Paul, that uh, there would be a price to pay for that, that moment, that little 20 minute excursion you had in there, or did it just seem like it'd go on your way?
2: Uh, I, I I remember distinctly remember after I'd gotten out of the building, I stepped out towards the sidewalk. I looked back at the, uh, building with my hand held against my head, and I just said to myself, I cannot believe I just did that. Um, now, I, I, I didn't feel that, I, I knew that, I tried as I might, I'd never felt that uh, we were going to get what we wanted at that point, because I had seen so, so many other things in and around the Capitol building that made me told me, okay, I don't think they're going to be giving us that audit like we asked for, but, and also there was a deep concern, like, geez, I, I could get in really big trouble for this. I presumed that most every inch of that Capitol building must have short of a bathroom stall probably has surveillance and that it wasn't going to be too hard to see that I was in there. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I did feel concerned like, geez, I hope I, you know, didn't sink my own ship real badly here. In answer to that, I just, I guess I, felt, I left there, you know, not knowing what to
1: feel, really. But to the point when the, and we'll talk about the judge in just a bit here ahead, but let me ask you, when the sentence came down from the judge uh, and um, and your attorneys there, did did your attorney... Uh, give you the sense that he could get you clear of these charges did you ever have a was there in conversation with him was that the goal did he feel like he could get you clean of this or did he always tell you up front you probably would be sentenced
2: well uh it was a long process and uh you know when I first uh hired my attorney, I, initially for my first hearing, I was I had qualified to have an appointed attorney and that's what I had. I had a public uh, defender at my very, very first hearing. But given the nature of the charges and how serious this was, I felt I wanted to have a little bit more established and reputable representation mm-hmm. for myself. So that's when I decided to hire the attorney that I did who has a law firm locally to where I live. And you know, the first question I had asked him uh, that I was what I asked all attorneys that I looked into. I asked, "Did you do you feel I may have a reasonable chance of avoiding jail time, and do I have a chance of avoiding felony conviction?"
1: How did he answer you?
2: Well, he uh... <laughs> actually the attorney that I spoke with just before him, who I decided not to answer. I'll tell you because it's interesting. His his immediate response to me wasn't yes or no. His response was, I got to be honest with you. These pictures of you inside the Senate are not very flattering. Uh, my attorney, he did, but when we did talk about it, he made it very clear. There's never any guarantees with this kind of thing. Okay. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm definitely going to keep you out of jail. I'm not going to tell you that this is going to go the way. This is all definitely going to go the way you want it to just because you want it to. Um, He said, you always need to understand, you know, what can happen.
4: Mm
2: -hmm. So he never told me, yes, I'm going to make sure that you don't go to jail. He said he was going to do his very best and make it a priority that I do not serve time in jail. And from also what he explained uh, earlier on before I ever entered a guilty plea that there was um, a viable shot where I was going to be able to plead to a misdemeanor for this. Uh, A misdemeanor doesn't mean that necessarily that you won't serve jail time. It has a maximum as to how much you can serve. I think 364 days with a misdemeanor, but um, that still would have been better because to be honest with you, a felony conviction was actually much, much more painful for me than a a jail sentence would have been, would be. But um, regardless that unfortunately went back and forth between the justice department and that ship, had sailed uh, the justice department insisted that i plead to a felony
1: they they insisted uh, that you say
2: that's what I, that's what's been was explained to me uh my attorney had said in some in some press he had been interviewed that the justice department would not allow me to plead to a misdemeanor and they insist i plead so this a was felony. a
1: plea deal at that point and you did uh take the you did plead guilty
2: I did plead guilty. Uh, the plea offer they made was that if I plead gu- guilty to count one, that they will drop counts two, three, four, and five. Okay. And gave it a sentencing guideline that was, uh, you know, 15 to 21 months. Uh, okay. And my attorney, uh, I think his strategy was at that point was that he wanted to make the whatever the worst case scenario was going to be for me to be as small as he could possibly get it to be. Meaning that if, if you do go to jail, it's not going to be for years and years. I'm going to keep it at
1: bay and keep right. it down to this. Thing. All right. couple of very, very quick questions here before we pause. And then we'll come back and explain more afterward here. Okay. So with all that said, Paul, now you, you have the plea deal. You take the attorney's advice. Guilty. You know you're now going to serve potentially something. Although your attorney did argue uh, the case to try to still get you off of these charges at any prison time, we'll dive more into that after, uh, but what, what were you, what were you, what's the charge? How long will you now spend in prison?
2: Well, the first charge that I was, that I pled to, it was impe- obstructing and impeding a legal proceeding.
1: Right. Um,
2: and like you said, my lawyer, he, he did have some confidence that, uh, you know, again, no guarantees, but he did have some confidence that I would be able to probably serve he a house arrest sentence, which is part of probation, mm-hmm. um, which obviously would have been much easier on me. At that point, I can still continue to work my job, and mm-hmm. I won't have to go away to a prison. But um, you know, the Justice Department going into the case had asked uh, been asking the prosecution to seek eighteen months in
1: prison. So they wanted 18 months and they gave you how many?
2: Uh, the judge did give uh, a bit of a downward departure to my level, but not quite as much as my attorney and I had hoped for, which would have brought us to probation. He brought the downward departure down to eight months. He eight gave months. He a sentence, followed by 24 months of okay. probation. And, but it. then you're also a felon at that point, right? I'm convicted of a felony. Uh, that's what I pled guilty to. It really... It really was against my will to do so, uh, because a felony was the last thing that I wanted. But my attorney had stressed to me, if you don't take the plea offer, that means eventually this is going to have to go to trial, Mm -hmm. which he said, no offense, but everything that you're being accused of in these charges is right there on video. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he said, I really don't see how I could ever convince a jury, especially in some place like Washington, D.C., that. To find you not guilty of this okay what's the minimum you could serve the minimum uh, the minimum I could serve as to, to this charge correct well the charge uh, the plea the plea agreement had uh, a sentencing guideline of 15 to 21 months so the very maximum that I could have served would have been 21 months
1: understand but on the eight months can you serve less time than that or is that it
2: Uh. To my understanding, uh, you know, with with these type of prison sentences that usually they do offer time off for good behavior. That's right?
1: what I'm driving at right there. That's exactly it. So have they told you that that the attorney? I'm usually that would be the next question out of one's mouth. And you might be out in four months if this happens. Has that been said to you? Uh,
2: that has been relayed to me. I haven't seen this a officially on paper, but I think that's something that probably comes about when you go, when you're getting ready to go. And how little
1: stuff. did they say you might serve if everything went well and you were clean, uh, good, good uh, in this whole process? What, how, how, how little, how many months, four or five, six? Uh,
2: The ratio that I've been, ex- that to my understanding is for each month where you complete good behavior, it will take 10 days off the month. So okay. that would bring it down to about
1: five months, assuming that I, I, I am able to have this good behavior clause. Yeah, yeah. Right, that's right, right. That's what I'm guessing. That's what I would have guessed with an eight-month sentence that you could possibly get it down to four or five months, potentially, if everything went well uh, based on that. Now, in the meantime, one last point I want to make before we pause here, and that is that you've also, now your life has been totally turned upside down. You, your job, you still have your job or you've lost your job?
2: Uh, unfortunately, my... Uh job didn't decide to enact company policy where if an employee is convicted of a felony it is cause for dismissal and last week they made the very tough decision in doing so uh my place of work had been very very supportive of me through this whole this whole thing uh they were very helpful that this wouldn't have turned out the way it did uh but okay, unfortunately right. they they do they do have to make a call at this point but at the end of the day they terminated you at the end, of at the end of the day, they did terminate me, uh, okay. about four or five days after the court, uh, sentencing. All right.
1: And, and do you have ill will for that or do you think that's just okay?
2: I mean, of course I wish that this wasn't the case. I had, I had hoped that after sentencing that I could have just kept working at my job right up to the time I have to go into, go into jail. And then hopefully the day I get out, I would report back to work, but, um, Again, they have a company policy about what happens if an employee is a convicted felon. We'll see what happens down the road. Uh, they, it could, it, they may very well decide to hire me back. I hope they do. I've worked there for seven years and climbed up the ladder. And mm-hmm. I, where I worked, I worked making an American-made product of American steel. I was proud of what I did. And I mm-hmm. will hope that maybe I can have that again.
1: It's kind of an unreal moment in your life, I guess, if this happened to you or I, it would be it would be that sort of a moment uh, where we would uh, we couldn't believe it was really happening. And, and, you know, that really was the image that came from the Capitol uh, that day. I think for most Americans, it was we had never seen that in current day. In other words, we'd never seen that sort of an uprising, that sort of a moment. Now, keep in mind, they've attributed and tagged that all to uh, Donald Trump. But uh, I, I think people across this country knew that something was, was wrong. It, it went awry, and they wanted some answers, wanted some justice. And, you know, we were taught all the way through that uh, this was the way we protested. And, uh, again, there were no ammunition, no, no nothing was, you know, it wasn't uh, what they said. It wasn't that insurrection where they were trying to hurt people, kill people, take it over, cause harm. None of that happened that day. Uh, it was people who wanted their voices heard. Well, in fact, if you hear Hodgkin's talk there, he was saying people were praying near the altar and, you know, they were using bullhorns to get their part, but that's protesting. I mean, my fellow Americans, they do worst on American cities and burning our buildings and our cities down all the way across our country. And of course, part of the story we've been talking about in recent times, How how's that going with those sentences there? How did that all work out with the BLM, the Black Lives Matter and the uh, Antifa and the domestic terrorists there? How did that all work out? I wonder, huh? Well, you know darn well how that all worked out, right? But again, back to Lady Justice, right? And being blind. It's a joke in America for sure. You know, the judge here, Judge Randolph Moss, he uh, is the judge, Um and I want to talk to Paul about this. There's a very interesting uh, state of affairs where he was sort of questioning the prosecutor uh, back and forth, like, uh, well, like about the fact that he didn't really assault anybody or hurt anybody. And that's what I understand and reading the records here. Again, we'll ask Paul and get his take on it. but. And, and, you know, he was sort of going down the road where you almost thought, or at least I would think looking at the records, I don't know if Paul thought this way, but that, well, you know, uh, maybe the judge uh, sees the symbolic nature of patriots that were standing for justice and freedom. Maybe there is a, a, a shining light here that will uh, change the end result of this. Uh, reading some of the records, that's what you'd think. But then at the end of the moment, The judge did all of that and then stood on the ground and made the claim and the charge and sentenced him uh, with this charge to prison. Um, The judge said this, and I quote here, the symbolism of that act is unmistakable, he says. That's the judge now, Judge Moss. He says he was staking a claim on the floor of the United States Senate, not with an American flag, but with a flag declaring his loyalty to a single individual over the nation. Mm -hmm. He said in that act, he captured the theft of democracy that we all witnessed that day. Think about what I just shared with you. He captured the theft of democracy that we all witnessed that day. And that not with an American flag, but with a flag to clear in his loyalty to a single individual over the nation. So what the judge is saying here, had he had a flag that was the United States flag, our, our flag over a Trump flag, then potentially he would've got a pass, maybe according to the judge. He was taking a claim on the floor of the United States Senate not with an American flag, but with a flag to clear his loyalty to a single individual over the nation. That's a political statement is what that is people exactly what that is so the judge was headed in a particular direction of saying well what did he do did he assault anybody did he hurt anybody did he threaten anybody well no no your honor no no Your Honor, no 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 your honor huh. he didn't do any of that what the hell did he do well he you know he trespassed on the people's house what the hell's the matter with you you know The theft of democracy that we all, the theft of democracy, the judge puts it in that act, he captured the theft of democracy. So uh, I would say to you this, uh, the fact that this was a contentious moment in our history, a contentious uh, election, uh, you know, and, and a president, number 45, who had been through the ringer. Again, all things being equal, my fellow Americans, you know where we are on this. Had everything been equal and nobody had ever upset the apple cart with Trump, he had had a great four years and, but, but everybody knows they were after Trump before he set one foot in the White House. Everybody knows they did everything they could to take that administration out and dismantle it. I mean, people, it's, it's documented in history. There has never been an assault on a president in our history, in our 245 years, as there is now today. It never happened. And yet here we are. And so at that moment, when people, uh, you know, Americans see what's happened, they see the people who voted for him. These are patriots, these are Americans. these These are people you and I. These are just, you know, this is what democracy is all about. If you want to talk about the theft of it, this is the point and the measure of democracy. When there's an egregious act and people really feel there's something has happened that's not right, or they steal an the election, or they do things that are right, or there's fraud or problems, or I don't feel good, and you multiply that by the millions? This is not an in isolated incident. Well, a few people down on the boulevard just thought this election was screwed over. Well, okay, okay, well, I get that. Well, this is a whole bunch of people all over the boulevard. The boulevard calls sea to shine and sea. There's a lot of people who would think that way. Now you have a collective, you have a problem and you have a conflict. That is the point of democracy. That is the point of a nation standing to be heard in people's voices that need to be heard, is it not? So this doofus judge captures the theft of democracy that we all witnessed that day. And because he was wearing a Trump shirt and a Trump flag, we're going to sentence this bastard and make him bleed. How's that? And we'll go after every, every other one of them as well. Now see how that works out. We'll put everybody in their place so that they all know that you can't do this again. We're going to teach them a lesson. going to teach the whole country a, a, a lesson, how this whole democracy thing works, that you listen to the political operatives, you listen to the establishment, you listen to those people or else you pay a price and you don't steal the democracy. And you don't come in with a flag to support anybody else at all. Can't do that. I think that was a very telling statement from Judge Randolph Moss, actually. You listen to his words and you you uh, decipher them clearly. You'll see where he's going and where he thinks. He's of a mindset that 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 whole wing of the party is of and they want people to pay a price for what's transpired you bet and don't care what lives are destroyed or ruined in the process don't care at all Hmm. Uh, what did i start with there right the whole statement they came for the communists they came for the trade unions they came for the jews and shit they came for me nobody was left it's kind of where we're at, isn't it, people? Americans go about their business thinking it really doesn't matter. As justice is dismantled and the mask is off and everybody knows that Lady Justice was a joke. Everybody in the country, everybody in the world knows it was a joke, America the mighty, thinking that, oh, we got a great justice system here. It's very honorable. She even has a blindfold, she, she can't see anything, man. We just go by this constitution, it's all perfect. Mm. It's, uh, it is absolutely remarkable and leaves one speechless, truly. But of course, this isn't the time to be speechless. It's the time to really do some soul searching in this country to see where we're at. I told you, it's a moment of history and the symbolic nature of January 6th. I think is a moment in time that needs to live on. And hopefully the American people will teach a lesson back to the establishment and the operatives in DC. I pray to God almighty that they teach them a lesson back. That comes in the form of elections. That is the center of a democracy right there. Give them their bags to pack and let them on their way. Yeah, it's, uh, there are a lot of questions still about the judge, the way he took it, uh, the way things came down. um, You know, and you listen, I listen to Paul and a lot of things he said and how he put it out there with that day. Uh, why? Another thing I don't want to lose sight of, and I want to get back to him with, is well, okay. How did everybody just walk into the Capitol? Do 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 do. do. Just here for it. Could have packed a lunch. Could have had lunch and put a picnic out there, right, right there in the chamber here. How did that all happen? The, oh, you mean anybody? can, You mean foreign adversaries can do that? Terrorists, domestic terrorists can do that. You mean groups like that can do that? Okay. You mean there's no safeguard at all to get into the Capitol? You mean these patriots were able to do that because that's normal procedure? Oh, so what's all the process of work? And why were the the police called down? And why were things, why in some videos and pictures they were waving them in? Why did all that happen, I wonder? And then you see all of the latest here the, as the House Democrats do a committee hearing, which is what they do up on the Hill to make themselves feel good. Now that's all happening in Washington as we talk here to Paul Hodgkins here. It's, it is remarkable. I, uh, I want to remind you, uh, these stories here are so vital to, uh, to our liberty and to liberty and justice for all that we talk about here on America Out Loud. For me there's nothing more important right now than the story we're talking about right now my fellow Americans and uh, with with Paul Hoskins and and there are some things I want to share with you and I'm we're going to bring Paul back in just moments here to talk more about all of this but let me tell you first of all This has changed Paul's life to the degree that you could not imagine, just as it would change you and I. And let me state that, you know full well, you or I could have easily got caught up into that moment. This doesn't make Paul a bad guy at all. We could have easily, you know how we get caught up into the moment. We don't mean anything by it. Yeah, we're in the people's house. We're showing our loyalty to our democracy. Is that what the idea is, the concept, right? To our representative Republic, that's what we're doing, right? Mm. We just want the truth. We want them to look at this and give us the truth. What's wrong with that picture? Right? Nothing is wrong with that picture. And so I, I, I say to you that uh, that this, this entire moment is a, is a moment that we've got to stand up and, you know, and support these patriots and these fellow Americans. Again, had they done anything that was an assault or a crime or that's another story here. But we're not seeing that piece, it doesn't exist anywhere. That's why this is so shallow. All of these hearings, everything that's happened to these people, that's why you're seeing an outreach now that you're seeing, like you're seeing other stories you're, you've been reading now that Sydney Powell has taken on uh, the case to represent uh, uh, many of these uh, people that are being held up and uh, without being charged in solitary confinement situations. And uh, this is what we've reported on, we've discussed. Um, But Paul now has lost his job. He has spent all his money on the attorney who, you know, whether he did a good job or didn't represented him, that's the result he's going to have to pay a price. You know, I asked him right up front, would you change anything? And, you know, he said, well, he said, I probably wouldn't have trespassed just because the trade-off is bad enough, but I never would have changed my belief system or the fact that I support Trump. He made that very clear. So he wasn't a sellout. He was just saying, well, it is a pretty heavy price to pay just for 20 minutes of your life to become a felon. I guess we can appreciate that, can't we, people? That is a hell of a price to pay, isn't it? You know. So, and he he was honest with that and answered back. But I want to give you a website now where you can help Paul, and uh, and uh, with what this is going to take. Now he lost his job again. This he's got. He's he's going to be serving prison time. You you just see what's happening with his life now, right? I mean. It hardly gets any, any worse than this. I mean, at this moment for him, a lot of lessons to be learned from all of this, but here's a site where you can help him on the journey and, uh, and we'll put links all of this on America Out Loud as well, just because, just because we care and just because we want to put justice where injustice is and this is injustice. And that address is givesendgo.com forward slash Patriot Paul. Very simple. You heard of the give, send, go.com forward slash Patriot Paul is where you find that. And it says right on there, help our fellow Patriot Paul. This was a campaign created by a a lady, Teresa Miller. And you'll see it right there. Uh, And they ask you to make the donations anonymous to protect everyone. You know, I don't necessarily agree with that. And obviously do a lot of other people I can see don't agree with that as well, because people are putting their names on. Others are putting anonymous, but, you know, whatever. I mean, I, you know, I get the, 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 the concept, but uh, I think that's the problem with this country is people are running the other way. They're running the scared. They're hiding and they don't want to stand tall. And, you know, I think if you put whatever if that makes you feel better sleep at night. Terrific. Main thing is if you got 50 bucks, 100 bucks, put it in there and help them out here. Uh, and the message is right on that site. Again, givesengo.com forward slash Patriot Paul. I encourage you to visit that and help this Patriot out. Uh, he's the first of many that will be tried now as, uh, as, as this thing now, uh, takes on a different shape, different life of its own. He was the first in the nation, uh, to be uh, charged in the way that he was. And, um, we're going to take a pause, my fellow Americans. We'll be back for hour two in just a moment here and, uh, and, and revisit again this, um, I think, remarkable story um, of liberty and justice in America. You're listening to The Voice of a Nation. This is a dangerous threat to democracy. What has taken place right now, those are the words that were used by the judge. A dangerous threat to democracy. Those were Judge Randolph Moss's words. The judge said that Hodgkins, Paul Hodgkins, that is, was staking a claim on the floor of the United States Senate, not with an American flag, with a flag declaring his loyalty to a single individual over the nation. Now, I've heard this. The reason that got my attention is I've heard a lot of uh, points to that end where people, the media and political people have gotten unrestled because uh, Trump, what's happened here, people, is Trump ignited a nation. Trump is just symbolic and representative for the rest of us. Let me, let me just put that out there and be clear. Americans are unsettled and they're frankly pissed off and they see what's happening, but, but people, they've been seeing what's happening for a very long time. This really has less to do with Trump and it has far more to do with the American people and the establishment. So if you look at this as a three-way circus and you've got the American people and you've got this uh, this form of democracy, you've got President Trump, uh, you, you just know that this is less to do really about Trump and more to do with we, the people. Because this has been building for a lot of years. This didn't start yesterday. This thing has been building and building. You know, you come all the way through the Obama years and you've seen what had taken place in our country and people felt our country was slipping away. And they've seen... Uh, They've seen the injustices also with the Department of Justice, the Hillary Clinton episodes, all of the uh, bleach-bitten, bleach-washing that went on and all the emails and all the the nonsense that went on, all of the stuff about, uh, you know, that we heard time and time again, uh, all the court cases, the Mueller, Robert Mueller, the Russia collusion, the prostitutes in Moscow, you know, that Trump was uh, peeing on, supposedly. This is how outrageous this was. This is how outrageous this was a Comedy Central skit that went on for many, many years, impeaching presidents in and out of office, doing everything we could to assault them. And so what I'm suggesting is the buildup of this and the buildup of this and the buildup of this and people are just there and they see all this happening. And then you have a COVID thing come down in a lockdown. Now, step back a minute with me at 50,000 feet and look at this thing. Now you have a COVID buildup. We're locking down the nation. Doing, everybody's caught up into the moment. We have that hit in the nation at the same time and around the world. And we've seen what's happened with that exercise that we reported on pretty heavy at America Out Loud, right? All that's taken place. So all of the emotions are high in the country. People are really juiced. There's a, there's a feel and a sense and angst. not as all well in America. All that's taken place. And now you have an election. And the left, the Marxist left go ahead and change all the rules. And they, like everything, they push and push and push. And the right acquiesces, as they always do, to the far left. And the left gets their way and they change the rules. And many of these states, even though they're Republican legislators, they give in and they do their thing and they change and people can do whatever. And all these illicit votes and whatever happens, happens. And that's a whole nother conversation. But surely we've talked about it. Surely that that election was not all perfect. I mean, if you poll the country right now, I mean, you, you'd be aghast at the level of people that believe that this thing smells And, you know, that's what they were looking for that day is an accountability. And then people rise. We were taught that as kids. That's the whole point. And we've seen that. We studied that in history. That's what happened. That's what happens in our country. That's the protection of our representative government. We elect these people to represent us to high office. They don't represent us well. And yet the country has got into this Free fall. It really is a free fall that I see. And and the, and we've been building on that for a long time. And now I get to the point of January 6th, and you got, you know, the 20th is coming. And Biden, who? But you mean the guy that didn't campaign? Yeah, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy. The guy who didn't say any yeah, that's the guy. That's it. The guy who looks like he can't put a few words together. Possibly he's not. He's winning, he's gone he won the election. Well, it all made sense. Yeah, it made sense if you're in a mental institution and you don't have a brain. But for the rest of us, it, 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 uh, it didn't feel right. I think people felt that uh, there was something not quite right with all of this. And uh, all right, Paul Hodgkins is here. Paul, uh, you are the first, let me be sure I'm speaking that correctly. You are the first to really be sentenced in this. Is that correct?
2: Uh, I believe it was maybe three or four weeks before I was sentenced. There was one woman who, uh, she had been sentenced to a misdemeanor charge. Uh, and she, I believe did her set, her sentencing was done via virtual court, uh, zoom. And she was sentenced to a period of probation and a, and a $500 fine, I believe. And some community service. Wow. Wow. But, uh, I'm the first, certainly the first of any felony uh, charge mm-hmm. to be sentenced, and okay. I believe the first one to be sentenced at a D.C. courtroom.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I want to ask you something now. You've heard me talk with folks about this big picture. I, I I, always like to take these cases and step back, Paul, and really look at it. I want to ask you this. Uh, the January 6th the moment, the symbolic nature of the 6th in the capital here the buildup, the fact that you made a statement early on and said, well, golly, I was like shocked, almost could have had a V8 moment. You said, that's my words, but you said it was almost like a pinch me moment where you were in the capital and couldn't believe you were there. Like, wow, I kind of, I'm here now? Weren't even sure what room you were in or what was taking place. So you got caught up into the moment. And that was a good description because I've described it that way over many, many weeks to listeners that people really got caught up into the moment. And that could happen anybody, really and truly you can and did. And so what I'm wondering is the fact that you were able to gain that access, the fact that I asked you about the trespassing and all of the things that would make you think, because again, I grew up in the people's house. I thought, you know, this was a place we thought we could partake in to whatever that is. It didn't hurt anybody. Again, let's be clear what the rules of engagement on the judge knew that he talked about that, but there was a sense, or there's been a sense, Paul, that, they there are people let me word this properly now so i don't put words in anybody's mouth but that there's a sense out there that they wanted a result from january 6th well before this event ever was in play and there were a lot of strange things that were happen happen happening working up to that day with various blockades and the way they were maneuvered and the way people were allowed in and the way capitol police were waving people in and the way people were called down in the days before and things that sort of would lead up to the fact that this is not normal. This is not normal procedure. Something is going on here. Do you have any sense of that and what took place or, at all?
2: Uh, I mean, it's, it's it, I don't think it would be appropriate for me to critique uh, the job that uh, policemen and policewomen have to do. Uh, I do think you know there was probably quite a big, big mix of emotions that day. Um, there was obviously there was quite a bit more protesters than there were police officers, so that was a factor. Um, I, I think, and you know, I I, I can't quote anybody on this because I don't know any of them personally, but I think that there were probably was a lot of policemen uh, in D.C. that day who probably did vote for Donald Trump and they probably themselves think deep down in that believe something what not right happened in the election. And I think a lot of people in law enforcement were probably might have emotionally felt themselves in a very tough spot that day.
1: All right. Um, let me reword a question. Yeah. I, I, I think everybody would agree with you. This isn't about the police, the Capitol police at all. Let me reword yeah. this a moment here. You know, Nancy Pelosi at the end of the day was she's I mean she's responsible for that day and the lack of security there was uh, extra police uh, offered uh, the Trump administration offered offered security there was other additional security offered it was all rejected and then there are a lot of signs that people were called back or called off that day this is about this is about the police themselves they're gonna do a job this isn't about how they voted either let's be clear This is about the political operatives on charge of that. Have you heard anybody in the circles of what I'm speaking about, or did you have any sense yourself that there was another political narrative happening prior to January 6th that let this thing be set up the way it could be set up?
2: I have thought about that a lot. And I think that could be because, again, I said a little bit earlier, I couldn't believe how easily this all went down, how easily I just walked through and uh, walked into the Senate of all things. I would have thought someplace like the Senate Chamber would have definitely had armed guards around it while they're conducting business as serious as they were conducting. You know, especially with having the Vice President and Vice President Elect both Senate, present in the chamber for it. Um, so that that I did think that was pretty peculiar. Um, I certainly don't. I think. Uh, I, I I mean it's. Yeah, I mean, when I went up to the Capitol building, I was very surprised that people were able to just walk in through the doors as easily as I saw it. When I went in through the building, doors were already open and there was a crowd already starting to walk through it. Uh, That's how I made my way into the building. Now, as I said, there were some places in there where I did see protesters going at odds fighting with policemen and that really didn't give me a good feeling at all. Whenever I saw something like that, I quickly, I just stayed away from it. I, I didn't want any part of that. Okay. But, uh, I do, but to what you're saying, I do think, yes, it is very interesting how, uh, you know, the, the certain, they certainly didn't give the US Capitol building a complete you know, security uh, presence like it probably should have had and would have had.
1: Well, no, not if you expected millions of people to be there. And it was well advertised that President Trump had a rally uh, down the boulevard there. Uh, So naturally, you, you know, you can surmise there could be some activities and you would do everything you would need to do to batten down the hatches. But that didn't happen. In fact, the opposite happened. Now, that's that's a quandary to me and one that should be answered. And I don't know what we'll hear or see about that. I want to talk about the judge. You're you're at the point of the sentencing now, you and your attorney, and the judge begins to question. Now, and I want to I want you to tell listeners what that was like because from what I understand, reading a lot of the documentation, Paul, the judge was questioning in uh, the fact to the prosecutor. Well did he hurt anybody uh, crimes committed? Did he assault somebody? Did he have it, a weapon? The, you know, all these things. That's what I have read into this. And of course, none of that happened. So did you have a sense as a lot of that was happening with the judge that, well, he was maybe side in your way. Was there any point in that where you, as I would just visualize if that was me or, or someone out there, that you would think, Oh, okay. Uh, the judge really sees what happened here. And then all of a sudden the judge flipped with some of the statements I said, Tell us what that was like, please. What happened there?
2: Well, yeah, I do recall being in court uh, that, you know, when he first corrected and uh, confronted the prosecution with some of their claims that it felt like I was, wow. Okay. Maybe this judge is giving me a little more of a fair shake here. And uh, he's acknowledging that, okay, I didn't, you know, demonstrate any destructive behavior. And he made it sound as though that, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, sentenced on this focused on what crime I did commit, not what I didn't commit. And, uh, this is going to be a case by case basis. I'm not, I'm being charged for what physical, what I might've physically done that day, which was trespassing, uh, during a legal proceeding and not being not as January six as a whole. Um, hmm. the prosecution they did, uh, early on, they did, uh, you know, numerous times mentioned that they are, um, pursuing jail time and, uh, stressing that there needs to be jail time in the interest of domestic terrorism and, uh, preventing domestic terrorism, which my attorney, uh, he took that very, uh, didn't care for that at all. And he had good reason to, my attorney was also a very, very decorated, uh, service in the military. And he made it clear, you know, he was probably the only person in that room who has actually been shot at by terrorists and has fought terrorists on the battlefield.
1: Would you have knowing everything, you know, right now, would you have taken it? If everything being equal, would you have hired a different attorney at this point, if you could take it all back?
2: Uh, Ah, I don't think, uh, I mean, I, I, I shopped through a bunch of different attorneys and the one that I had was, uh, felt like the best package deal that I could have gotten. but uh, a different
1: attorney had gotten a different result?
2: I really don't know. Uh, this is the first time I've ever been in a court case. I've ever, ever, ever had an attorney for anything. I don't really even have a basis for comparison. Um, I, I had hoped that my investment in him would have uh, given a little bit better result in my favor in the end, but at the end of it all, my, my attorney, I do believe he did try his very best. I don't I don't think I got shortchanged by his efforts at all. I believe he did try his very best. And I don't. Uh, you know, he and I, we agree on a lot of things. We might disagree on some things. Everybody does. But at the end of the day, I, I, he gave it he gave it his best. And that's all I can really ask for.
1: Yeah. The, the judge went on to talk about the punishment the court will provide. He compared it to the scarlet letter. He compared to the, uh, the, the life, uh, the life trauma, I guess, best word I'd use that people were suffering from that event on the 6th and that you would, you know, um, uh, and actually your, your, your lawyer was talking about that. And actually, uh, you're know, to think of it, your lawyer referenced the scarlet letter, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Exact words. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I remember reading that in the... That's right, too. Uh, Yeah, I remember reading that in there. And he actually did something else interesting in in his document. He cited... uh, He had another... He brought it back to the Civil War and Abraham Lincoln, didn't he?
2: Yes, he did uh, deliver a bit of an essay about that. How did that go over, do you think? Well, you know, it was not... uh... it's not something that I would have was going to include in my courtroom statement. My attorney, he's not the one who's being tried. He's not the one who's about to be sentenced. Uh, I think he was trying to set an example that, you know, recently, you know, everything about January 6th basically comes down to that. There is some unbelievable division in our country right now, uh, which, which has escalated in the last five to 10 years. And I think he was giving a comparison that, you know, Poe. You know, civil war and just after the civil war, that our nation was very, very divided on things. And he was trying to outline, I believe, how Abraham Lincoln wanted—he uh, wanted the country to be a country again—and he wanted to give grace and forgiveness to the Confederacy, which we had just defeated in war. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, look, basically, Lincoln's uh, message with that is: look, we we had this war, we had this civil war because. We did not want uh, to become divided. Okay, we wanted to remain one nation. So the la- so what we need to do in order to repair that is treat these individuals as part of our nation because they are. And I think what my attorney was trying to get at was he was saying that, okay, my client did something you know that was in loop you know, basically a product of how there is unbelievable division in this country. And since he does not have any kind of violent or reckless charge in the matter, he felt that giving me grace in the matter would be a step in the direction of showing that there can be some healing from the division that, Mm -hmm. okay, we can treat each other like human beings. We can look at your charge and say, okay, you broke this law, but this law, you know, is generally when somebody does have commits this crime it results in this, not this, this, and this. So. I believe that's what he was trying to stress for with that. Um, I was, again, I wasn't gonna put that in my statement because I'm I'm the one who's being sentenced, okay? And it's not a good strategy to go up and tell the judge how to do his job, I don't think.
1: All right, so the judge gives an eight month sentence, $2,000 of restitution and two years of supervised release probation, yes?
2: Yes, that is correct.
1: That's the that's the official charge there. Um, now, uh, at that point, I mean, you've obviously pleaded guilty, so uh, that's it. You're prepared now to serve that time. Yes.
2: Yes. Well, I pled guilty to the uh, to the plea offer that was made to me. Uh, that's right. Plead guilty to the one charge felony, and it had a sentencing guideline. The sentencing guideline is not something that is written in stone. The judge is able to depart downward or upward as he sees fit. Mm-hmm. In the matter, so I I took this uh, plea offer, realizing that he um, there was a good chance, and my lawyer had felt that you know you did have a good fighting chance of having a downward departure that would have given me probation instead, which is what I'd hoped for. It still, unfortunately, would have been a felony just the same. Mm-hmm. But um, he said there still you still have a good shot at avoiding a jail a prison sentence here, which is what I, of course is what I was hopeful on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the judge. As I said earlier, he gave a somewhat of a downward departure. He uh, sends me to eight months. I have to, I did say in my uh, courtroom statement that I am gracious for any grace that may be uh, given to me in the matter. Mm-hmm. And I have to figure. Uh, he gave me a sentence that was less than half of what the uh, Justice Department had wanted me to have. So of course I'm not happy about going to jail. Period. I wish I wasn't going at all, and I think it would have been—I uh, think it wouldn't have been unreasonable to have given me a probation sentence. But again, I said I would be gracious for any grace that I'm given, yeah. and I was given some. So, Paul, do you see
1: yourself as a domestic terrorist? No, I do not. Yeah. Absolutely, I do not. What do you um, see yourself as?
2: I see myself as someone who truly does love his country. Um, someone who, you know, who loves his fellow man, you know, believe whether you know some folks want to believe it or not. Okay, I really wish for peace more than anything in this country. Okay, I don't like the division. I don't like people going at each other the way they have for a long time now. Um, I really hope we can find a, somehow find a resolve to all this and you know get back to the way we knew in earlier times. But uh, as far as the you know the reference of domestic terrorism. And what Judge Moss said, that I carried, you know, a flag, you know, displaying my my allegiance and loyalty to an individual over the whole nation. No, no. I I gave my support and stood up for Donald Trump for the sake of the country that I love. Uh, I, I mean, never even mind I could go on with how, you know, his great accomplishments that he made as a president. But also that I did feel as I went there that day that you know, there was something had gone wrong in our election system and that I felt like this couldn't, we shouldn't just sit on our hands and let that be. We need to have accountability. We need to look at have an audit, make sure that things were right here. We need to have closure on the matter, because right as I sit here now, we still don't have closure on this.
1: Was you able to give that statement back once the judge had made that claim about what he said, uh, that you you captured the theft of democracy that you all witnessed that day and the point that you didn't have an American flag on your hand, but a Trump flag and a Trump shirt. And therefore, you know, you you were loyalty to a single individual over the nation. Did you have a chance to say anything back to the judge on that?
2: Uh, no I did not my uh, my attorney when he took the podium and was making his sent uh, explaining his sentencing memo he actually had cut out uh, fairly early and asked me if I would come up and uh, read my courtroom statement that I had written and basically that was the only time I had a chance to speak uh, in the courtroom
1: so that was a statement that was pre-written and uh, wasn't based on what he had said the judge
2: no the judge the judge uh, had said made it said what you had just relayed there in uh, mm-hmm. closing towards the end of the whole session. Uh, right. Well, after I had,
1: Oh, I see. That was, after I the had made fact. my statement.
2: I didn't, I didn't have a chance to make any kind of rebuttal or make another statement following that I had written about a four page statement mm-hmm. uh, on my own that I brought to court that day. And that was the only time that I had really spoken in the
1: courtroom Okay. All right. So uh, so that point there, you didn't get a chance to answer back. And it sounds to me, Paul, like the statement the judge makes about the flag and the Trump and the single individual over the nation and the theft of democracy, that to me sounds like that was the cornerstone of the judge's beef. And that was the whole buildup of people thinking that they were uh, like, you know how many times you heard the reference of there was a Trump cult, a fanatical Trump followers, MAGA people. It was like a Trump cult. You hear that a lot. Uh, The MAGA cult, whatever. It sounds to me like the judge was hitting back on this. This judge, do you know anything about his history or his political belief? Is he more liberal? Is he more conservative? Is he more moderate? Do you know anything about that?
2: I mean, I know he... In 2014, he was appointed to the federal courts by President Obama. That's right. Um, My lawyer had said, uh, done a little bit of research on him, and he had said that Judge Moss was actually known for being pretty lenient in his sentencing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm
4: -hmm.
2: A lot of times, you know, people who are being tried for, he had known for being uh, giving a good downward
1: departure. Yeah, but but he's a, a, but regardless of that, Paul, he was an Obama appointee, one hundred percent, which tells you his political stripe. I wanted you I wanted people to hear it from you, but that that's what tells you right there. He he is a he's a believer of the left.
2: Well, you know, initially when I found when I first learned that about him, that was a concern of mine. Um, a few close friends of mine had also pointed out. You know what danger they thought there could be if say i had i had been assigned a, a trump appointed judge in the matter uh, during the 2020 election or not during excuse me after the 2020 election you know all these judges and courts had kept slapping down uh trump's legal team the of cha- their challenges you know in their cases they were making to the election that's most adamantly even some of them were uh judges that donald trump had appointed to the courts now, someone had pointed out to me that had I gotten a Trump appointed judge, they would be rather concerned for that because they may feel that that judge may, uh, may need to make it very obvious that he can't give leniency to somebody because he's a Trump supporter. OK, he may feel compelled that he needs to punish me uh, so that he doesn't feel he's giving favoritism. So there was also that danger. Interesting. Had... Interesting. So, um So it felt like I was kind of in a lose-lose situation, whereas, Mm. okay, liberal justices are known for being a little bit more lenient in sentencing, but they don't generally sentence somebody who, you know, stood up for the President Donald Trump. You know, this is a very new and unusual kind of case. Then on the other hand, if I had had a Trump appointed a conservative justice, they may, uh, for one thing, I think conservative justices are known for being a little bit more tough in the courtroom. And they may feel compelled where they need to make sure they don't give extra leniency to me just because of my you know, my political affiliation uh, that it Paul, identifies with them.
1: Paul, doesn't this all, all play to the narrative you've heard me talk about with listeners that uh, Lady Justice is not blind? Yeah,
2: I, I do understand what you're saying with that. Uh, I mean, again, uh, of course, I don't think anybody in their right mind would be happy about going to jail. I'm certainly not. Uh, do I feel that I needed to be sent to jail for this? No, uh, I do need to reiterate what I had said in my statement. I am gracious for whatever grace can be given to me. And the sentence that I was facing could have been considerably worse than this. Right. Uh, I'm great. I'm glad that it's not, but again, I do feel like there is probably a lot of, uh, I think there probably is some motivation in my sentencing that is a little beyond what, actual crime I did commit, which was trespassing during a legal proceeding.
1: Paul, finally, I want to ask you, how do you want the country to remember you by? What's the legacy here, please?
2: I know for a lot of folks, it might be hard for them to understand. But ultimately, I do wish to leave a message of peace amongst people. Um, I do... Wish to see uh, the two sides of politics find a way to work together instead of against each other as much as they do, and I and I believe you know that that can happen. How it's going to happen or how if it will ever happen, I don't know. But ultimately, I just hope that people would realize that you know destruction and you know vitriol is not something that I ever admit. I, I'm I'm a Republican. Okay, I was a very strong supporter of Donald Trump. Uh, I was a volunteer to his campaign and a team leader to his campaign in 2020. And I believe in conservative policies for the better of people. But at the same time, I, I'm always going to re- remember, okay, we're not the only ones in the room. There's a there's a whole system of checks and balances for a reason to represent all Americans. And basically, in a nutshell, I just leave a message of I wish
1: for peace amongst American people. That's well said, brother. Well said. Uh, Paul Hodgkins, and um, Paul, thank you for joining me on The Voice of a Nation uh, here on America Out Loud. Uh, You are indeed a patriot, uh, and I am uh, wishing you uh, Godspeed and good success ahead, brother.
2: Oh, thank you very much for having me, Malcolm, and I wish the very best to
1: you as well. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let me give you that website, please, for Paul again. This is a monetary fund that has been put together to raise money for uh, Patriot Paul um, with everything that he has expended in his life um, uh, to uh, try to draw some conclusions and move forward after this next chapter where he'll serve uh, prison time for January 6th. Uh, That address is givesendgo.com forward slash Patriot Paul Givesendgo.com dot com forward slash Patriot Paul. I will say to you that um, in hearing him, I spoke to him for the first time as you heard him today. I had not had a conversation with him before then, and which is typically how I do it here. None of this is rehearsed. It's spontaneous. Uh, it's authentic. It's real. And I had no idea what his personality would be like or whether he he would be arrogant or, you know, just, yeah, yeah, damn them or hateful or angry or whatever, hostile or pleasant or whatever, pansy. I had no idea what his metric would be, his personality, quite frankly. But I have to tell you, I was pleasantly blown away at his graciousness and his entire demeanor uh, as a gentleman uh, the way he presented his case, I mean, there's no doubt this is a stand-up individual, uh, a man who really was fighting for that, uh, that liberty, that, that justice, that election, that truth. He was fighting for that moment of truth. Everything, it's the way we were raised. It's the way we were taught. We, any of us could have been in that situation, and any of us could have been caught up into the moment and been swept up with those people into the Capitol. could have happened to any one of us you know that it doesn't make him a criminal it doesn't make him a felon it doesn't make him any of that shouldn't have to lose his job shouldn't have to you know disrupt his life this way and all of the dollars and the attorney fees and everything he's had to muster plus now the restitution and the rest of it and his home his life is all of this i mean this is uh, this is a And, you know, this is a heartbeat of the people who really fell in love with the the Trump movement, the Trump doctrine. Trump was just representative of we the people. That's all he was. He was representative of the outrage to drain the swamp, level the establishment. That's really what this all was about. That's why I say symbolically that January 6th is a moment. I'm telling you, it's going to come back again, people. We we haven't haven't run, run this circle at all we're still in the early stages to see how this all goes. But it is a moment in time. And in this historical moment of our nation, there's a lot to say. One of the points Paul made in his closing statement there, I want to talk to you about ahead, And he talked about the unification of our country. And he talked about he wished the left and the right would work together. And he mentioned that in, in, a, in a very noble way in his closing statement of sorts, you know, And 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 it's interesting you hear that from people because that's a sign of yesteryear that people would think that way, you know, and they would say, well, I wish I wish our our politicians would come together and fight for the good of the country. I wish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish the left and the right would work together do do something for the common good for the American. Yeah, yeah. That's what I wish for. Well, that's what patriots used to wish for. That's, that was, that was, you know, it's back to the Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan days. You'd fight like hell during the nine to five, and then you go out for a drink at night. It was all good in the neighborhood. You see, that's how it was done in the day. You know, in this particular case, I would completely disagree with that. I don't wish for that at all. I don't see us unifying with the Marxist left at all. And not that he said that. But that's what's happened is my message with the Democrat Party. It is no longer. It has been taken over by an extreme Marxist ideology and it is front and center in that party, which is why the 6th of January was so symbolic. It's why so many people are unrest. It's why this country is teetering and tottering at a very, very gentle moment, and everybody understands it. It's why the inside influences, around the world have come and have impeded our progress here with an agenda that is all too obvious to many of us. It is also why it's the takedown of our country, of America. It's why this is such a pivotal, important moment for all of us to understand. And I I plead with people every day to understand the gravity of what we're dealing with, because, you know, we can blow this off and just think that America's got this. We can kick anybody's ass. We're on top of this thing. Don't worry about it. But people, it is not what you think it is. It is not everything is is what you believe it to be. It is a game of smoke and mirrors. That's what's really most unsettling to me. And so, no, I don't think there is a point of unification. And quite frankly, I think when you look at our framers and our constitution, the Marxist left and the extreme parts of that whole party, they don't give a rat's ass about the constitution. They piss all over it every day. I mean, the left does that before Breakfast. So they don't they don't care about that. So we, you, how do we unify with people like that? That's why the symbolic nature of the six where people stood up and said, well, no, we're not going to have this. You know, and yeah, that's about a fair election is what that. But it could be about anything. Could, you know, Lady Justice being blind with all the shenanigans that have been play, played out in the Department of Justice over the past, what, 10 years plus? Goes was back a long time, obviously. This corruption didn't start yesterday in America. This has been a cancer that has metastasized. It's, it's been a cancer that's been building for years. Long time. Building, 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 and here we are. Now we're, in, we're like a patient in critical care. Crit- critical care. Don't, you know Really hanging on by our life string, whether we get to the next chapter of life or not. That's kind of the way a lot of people see this country. And then we question, and we see a lot of it going on. And those who are politically astute and see the, uh, the real hostilities coming at this country, you know, and you, you get it's, it's the enemy within that is always going to be the problem. The, the Chinas and you know, surely the Russias and the Middle East can, but we can deal with a lot of that nonsense for sure, but not when they're partnering with the inside establishment. That's where the corruption is. That's what Trump was attempting to get after. That's where this whole thing blew up. That's where it all hit the fan, people, right there. So now that tells you we're at a pivotal moment in our nation, what I've just identified to you, and it should be an alarm for everybody. Wow. Paul Hodgkins, again, givesendgo.com forward slash Patriot Paul. Listen, I encourage you to put a few bucks in there and help Paul out any way we can. I, I'm certainly gonna push this out there a bit for him. I liked what I heard. I, I think that um, Paul is representative. It, it is remarkable. I mean, first one to have this sort of a, a fell in charge with this uh, major event. And I, I mean, you know, the way he puts it all into context is very noble in fact. And where he goes from now is, is gonna be very interesting. Uh, in life. And this is something, in fact, I'll tell you, I I hope, I I, want to get the chance to talk to Paul after all of this is done and served. I want to make a date with him down the road. Maybe it's a year from now. I I don't know. Or maybe it's eight months from now. Or maybe the good behavior, he gets out less. Or maybe the judge wakes up and changes the ruling. And maybe we can hope for a lot of things, huh, people? (laughs) You know, we always say, I wish. I wish. (laughs) I wish. Yeah. I wish. (laughs) I wish upon a star, right? I wish upon a republic. A lot of us would like things to be a little bit different at this point, but go um, anyways, com forward slash patriot paul. Uh, you know, I I'm I really um um connected to this story. Uh the, the passion, you know, you know, I like to talk about justice where injustice is and um, it's the mantra of the voice of a nation, and certainly it's the uh, mission and platform of America Out Loud. Uh, this is a remarkable story to me for a lot of reasons. It's very symbolic of our nation, very symbolic of where we stand right now. Uh, Paul is a great spokesman and a diplomat, actually, for this very moment of time because he's very humble. He's very humble, not arrogant at all, very, very humble. He's a humble patriot, it really is. And he, you can hear that in all of his makings and the way he represents the case and how he puts it out there. It, it is truly remarkable to me. I mean, he, he is a great um, symbolic picture of this in, in every way. You know, there's going to be a silver lining, Paul, to come from all this. If you hear me in the back there, I'll tell you, it's going to be a silver lining. I'm going to make a bet now there will be. The lessons that will be learned from this, the symbolic nature of that day, and the opportunities for you ahead down the road. I'll leave you with that thought, and I do mean that because a lesson I say to everybody, and I remind people of this all the time, when we're at our lowest moment of time, or when life seems to hit punches in the gut, or something's wrong, that is the time where where the strength and people of strength will rise, and actually it is the time where opportunities will 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 create themselves and will develop. Uh, I could see many, and not again, this is me talking, but. I see many opportunities for you ahead as well, if the cards are played right. I mean, I, I think you could be on the circuit as a speaker on this stuff. You're very well-spoken, could be a best-selling author. You could have a whole nother career, my friend, ahead. Now you, you sit in the back and you say what you think, but uh, I think that could be uh, Paul Hodgkin's uh, 2.0 uh, ahead in the future. I'll plant that seed right now. And uh, we'll certainly do all we can to help him here. Uh, I will for sure. All right. I want to remind you all here and give you a message uh, before we continue on with the program of HealthyCell.com. I've uh, got to get a chance to get that in here and tell you about it. I've been taking this product now, as you know, for well over three and a half years. It is an incredible product. There's nothing like it out there. Uh, it's not a vitamin. You can throw your vitamins away. It's really about the health of your cells and how you feel. Uh, so I want you to check out HealthyCell.com. You know, everybody lately has been in this uh, COVID mindset of COVID and viruses and flus and, you know, all that kind of crazy stuff. I mean, we all, we've learned a lot, life lessons in the past year and a half with this lockdown and pandemic business. Uh, HealthyCell has a product called Immune Super Boost. It's got vitamin A, D, D, Echinacea, Zinc, all that. There's a whole bunch of ingredients in that to help you fight any flu, any virus, any covid I will highly, highly recommend this. Uh, Everything comes in gel form. Their daily regimen does as well. They have REM sleep focus. They got a whole host of amazing products. You can get them at healthycell.com forward slash out loud, or just click the banner ad back at americoroutloud.com And you'll get a 20% discount. All of our listeners get off their first order here, 20% off for all of our listeners uh that's a unique discount for our people and uh, i've been taking it for well over three and a half years love the product Uh, there's nothing like it i hope you do as well give it a shot people and remember take care of you if you don't take care of you and your own lifestyle there's nothing more important than your health and your well-being in this life and and your mental health as well but it's got to be with your body health and lifestyle so i highly recommend that um all right let's take a pause here we'll be back with more voice of a nation
3: because of COVID-19, the average American worries about their immune health four times a day. That's 112 times per year. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains 15 full doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day pill-free gel pack. It tastes great, is convenient on the go, and it's more natural, too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off.
1: liberty, and justice for all.
0: The silent majority has spoken. We say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at libertyatamericaoutloud.com libertyatamericaoutloud.com
1: Now, while all this is going on, and he is the first, again, that has been charged with this felony uh, uh, accordingly, as he said, you heard him talk about that, and and you'll see this all over the news cycle here. What we've talked about today, what's going on right now uh, up in the uh, up at the Hill is the uh, House Democrats have um, are doing their committees, uh, their hearings. Uh, There's been a lot of back and forth between Pelosi and McCarthy, the Minority Leader uh, McCarthy, and they've gone back and forth on this whole thing uh, with uh, appointed Republicans uh, to this. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about that case and what the mannerisms of that. Lots to talk about right ahead. Let me bring on uh, uh, Team Nation here as well. Kathy Chamberlain, let me get her voice in here, please, so she can speak about this. now. Kathy is very near and dear to this entire story for a lot of reasons. Number one, she works hand in hand with me here on The Voice of a Nation, but she was up there at the Capitol on January 6th. And, you know, her and I've talked off air about this and on air, by the way, but I've said, you know, she could have easily been one to get caught up in that moment as well. Uh, Any of us, it could have happened to Kathy, as I've expressed to listeners. uh, Do you uh, could that have happened to you as well that day? I mean, is that is that a real statement?
5: Oh, that's so real. And uh, I actually didn't even realize till much later that I rode up uh, on the very same bus that Paul was on. So, yes, and I do, we share a lot of mutual friends, a lot of people that are in flag waving groups around where I live. And I'm also very involved with and, and who Paul is involved with. So his his plight came to my attention through mutual friends. And then I started thinking back of all the people that I was on that bus with. And I realized he was one of them. Hmm. So of course it could have happened to me so easily. And we've had this discussion before Malcolm, where I just stopped short of the, the area there where everybody was trying to get in by breaking the doors. But I really appreciated you having him on. I think it was a message that a lot of people are really wanting to hear from somebody who was directly in the Capitol there, Mm -hmm. because I've shared my story several times with you. And I only stopped because the flash bangs were going off right in front of me. And I could see that people were ready to start turning around and there was going to be a stampede. Now we've seen much, much later that those uh, flashbangs were actually set off by police officers up on that quad area, um, but it's it's really disturbing uh, so much because I've been speaking with Paul over the last week and kind of getting to know him. And w- strangely enough, I I started getting the feel, even though he seemed very he's very measured, very mild mannered, really upstanding guy. He was an Eagle Scout. He shared with me that he got an email uh, yesterday from an e-, e about him being an Eagle Scout that he should be ashamed of himself and he should resign. You know, he had a very good response. He, he has quite a sense of humor, by the way. And so uh, he's you know, he's taking it on the chin, so to speak. But I got a real feel that he almost is uh, experienced like a Stockholm syndrome just in some of the answers that he's given me. And Uh,
1: you're saying he's a bit traumatized from the whole thing.
5: Yeah. I, I, who wouldn't be? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, I think a better word is maybe overwhelmed. I don't ever want to call someone traumatized. Well, no, uh, you get PTSD from
1: these things. Actually. No, it's very, very real. It's a trauma to say is a real thing. And PTSD is something that would come from something like this. And frankly, yeah.
5: Yes. You're right about that. And it just, I've, in, in our conversations he has almost made excuses for the prosecutor for his his attorney for the judge uh, almost accepting the sentencing in a sense like he deserved it just uh, this morning I I, I got uh, an email from him basically saying that uh, because I, I I heard somewhere that he, felt Biden or that the uh, the election wasn't stolen. Politico, that's where I read it. And as I'm writing my article, as you said, I was for uh, about him because we do want to bring so much attention to him. But I read uh, in Politico, they were claiming that he now, he said in court that he basically agrees that the election was not stolen. And I was shocked at that that he would say that or even think it. And I texted him late last night and I said, hey, Politico is saying this. Did you say that? He said, absolutely not. They didn't put it in quotes, but it's kind of interesting how they're trying to uh, color him in this whole situation. But one of the things he told me that I found was fascinating and questioned why he would hire the attorney that he did, even though he explained it to us, and he explained it to me as well. But his attorney, he told me, is not definitely not a MAGA maniac, okay? And he also told Paul that he did not believe that the election was stolen. But he is a Trump supporter. Now, yeah. I... I mean, you and I are so close to this, and with the election and all, we've been following it so for so long. Yeah. It's, it's incredible to me that an attorney with the mm-hmm. education, the military background that Paul's attorney has could, could not see that there are some real nefarious things going on. And I don't know if I'd want somebody that would say that representing me in this kind of case.
1: So already the media is spinning things and lying about things he said that he didn't say, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, and that's to get the narrative they want. But, you know, Kathy, that's just been an ongoing battle with them. It's like when they always have these anonymous sources. Again, it's just like Lady Justice being blind. Well, if she's blind, the media is stupid uh, because they do the same. They just get they know the narrative they want. And whether it's an anonymous uh, source or spinning a something that was said that wasn't said, that's just is go. That's just regular business now for these people. You know what I mean? It's just.
5: You're right about that. My concern is that uh, because Paul is, I believe, very inexperienced with the media and with the court system, uh, that it just, you know, I'm just praying for him to get through this.
1: You know, that's why at the end I wanted to give him, you know, I got to tell you something, something told me, uh, Kathy, uh, and when I told listeners, but Paul was listening to us as well, I wanted him to hear it. That there's always a, a hope and a silver lining to these things in life, and there can be. And I wanted him to know that, you know, he could, le- he never said that to me. That was me speaking, but he could legitimately have a whole nother career as a patriot, as a speaker of truth. Uh, for what that day was. And I know people sometimes do this to sensationalize or profit by it, but he's given his blood and his life at this point and his treasure, and he's going to pay an ultimate price for the sacrifice. Uh, this was me speaking and saying that, but you know there could be a silver lining to, to, to what he's got to serve next that I think would be rightfully uh, just, uh, Kathy.
5: Yes, God is opening a door for him, closing one, opening another. I I, I went through. You that believe that to be that. true,
1: right? You believe. Oh,
5: no question about right. it. Yeah, he's he is whether he likes it or not now a part of history, being the yeah. first felon, yeah. basically of the January sixth protest or, uh, yeah. you know, uh, people. It, at it
1: is a remarkable thing. And I was thinking about that as I was talking to him at the measure of the moment. And, you know, I kept referring, Kathy, to the symbolic nature of that day. And Kathy, I don't believe that last chapter has nearly been written there, although they think it has. But the symbolic nature of the system, what's going to take place now, I think. And that's what I tried to really tell that story so people understand what happened here, what the narrative truly was. There's a lot more to be said about that. You know, right now, I want to get your opinion of the committee hearings that are happening up at the 6th. We've been seeing in the last couple of days now as they've been doing these meetings in the last many days as people are hearing this on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Uh, Tell me what sort of a gut feeling you have from just some of the testimony you've been hearing so far and what you think here in these last many days. What is it?
5: I felt watching this exactly the way I felt during the Kavanaugh hearings, when I had to endure the testimony of Dr. Blase Ford. I felt that the complete thing was very contrived. They had the police up up on the stand. There were four of them, uh, four cops that testified. And look, there's no doubt that police officers go through traumatic experiences as well. And I'm sure that day was quite traumatic. But the language they used really bothered me aside from the fact that they were sniffling and some of them near near tears up on the stand, which I've never really seen a police officer get up during testimony and actually nearly start breaking down crying. I've just never seen that before, not to say that that wasn't a traumatic day. But the language they were reading from was just surreal. I I just don't buy it. I'm sorry. I felt that everything from the organization of the committees, from what McCarthy wasn't allowed to bring on the people uh, to represent rep- Republicans, to 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 uh, pelosi choosing adam kinzinger and liz, liz cheney it tells us everything mm-hmm. and and these policemen that were testifying the things that they were talking about one of them did mention that he had voted for biden mm-hmm. and that at that point he claimed that one of the female protesters started calling him the n-word um then there was another hispanic officer, which, you know, it was, by the way, a very um, interestingly disparate group. (laughs) Um, But one Hispanic officer said that during the BLM protests Mm -hmm. last year, they got plenty of reinforcements, but not this time, which he later went on to say that he was very disappointed that Trump uh, did uh, did not call for a, an end and kind of uh, egged on these protesters, mm-hmm. which we all know. He said that the protesters were yelling. Trump uh, called us here. Trump, who said that? Who? Yes, one uh, the Hispanic officer. I didn't write his name down. Okay, okay. but that's those are the comments yeah. that he was saying. So at first, it almost looked like he was uh, uh, basically blaming Pelosi and company, mm-hmm. and uh, then a bit later, he started talking about that he lost faith in Trump. But now I don't know whether yeah. he would say he didn't yeah. mention that. But well, yeah, so it was just all very strange. And and one of the things, by the way, going back to what our guest Paul said, and what happened to him with the with the MAGA flag and and the judge going against him just because he was carrying this MAGA flag. Almost all of the police officers made that same pretty similar comment that these guys that the protesters were carrying flags MAGA hats, uh, Trump signs, Trump flags. So what does that have anything to do with that day? Mm -hmm. But they're making it exactly that point. Well,
1: yeah, it had a lot to do with that day when your objective is a political objective and uh, when that was the narrative and that's always what it was, which we've spelled that out pretty well here. Uh, Thank you, Kathy, uh, for uh, the comments on the committee. There's a lot more to talk about on this. You and I will uh, be talking days and Times ahead here about this. This case and this whole story is not going away anywhere. In fact, it's just starting. Um, Hodgkins is just at the center of it right now, Uh, Paul Hodgkins. I want to give you that website again, uh, please. GiveSendGo.com forward slash Patriot Paul. You know, if you can give 50 bucks or 20 bucks or something, 100 bucks, whatever you can give, please do something on there. Let's show our support as patriots uh, for Uh, Paul, as uh, as Americans. Let's give our support to him uh, in every way that we can. There's a lot to take from today's uh, discussion, my friends, from uh, today's talk. Uh, I'll leave you with uh, several thoughts here, and that is this. Uh, The judge says it's a dangerous threat to democracy. He's talking about the uprising of uh, January 6th and the fact that uh, Americans and patriots stood up tall for what their beliefs were. People like me and many of us would say, well, we would also agree it's a dangerous threat to democracy, but not for that reason, more so for the reason of what's really taken place here and the egregious nature of going after people like Paul Hodgkins and, uh, and, and many others. There are countless more Paul Hodgkins out there right now that will go through the same test of time here uh, that we're faced with right now. So uh, it is, whatever side you look of that coin, it is indeed a dangerous threat to democracy, whatever that is, it means. It means it's a symbolic moment in life, in this history of this nation. That's what January 6th is. Remember that there's a lot more to happen here. Thank you again, my fellow Americans and Godspeed to Paul Hodgkins. And uh, thank you for being on the mission here. It's time to get involved and get loud.